You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. It's me, Teresa, today, and I have a guest with me, Kendra Lucas. Kendra, you want to say hi? I'm Kendra. I'm a research associate here at Mental Health America part of Teresa's team. I'm based out of Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised in Alabama. I've worn like 50 million hats. So I studied biomedical sciences and psychology in college. I've been like a teacher, tutor, outreach specialist, nonprofit guru, whatever you want to call me. That's what I am. And currently, like Teresa likes to joke that I'm her boss, but I tend to just provide support wherever I can for the CRI, whether that's administrative um, tasks, content creation, data analysis, things of that nature. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Teresa. Yeah, thanks, Kendra. People probably don't know what CRI is. The CRI is our team, the Center for Research and Innovation at Mental Health America. But today's topic is creating safety in your community, especially when it doesn't feel very safe. And I'm just going to kick off by saying I think that's really awesome that you have experience in this. I know I was talking to America about (laughs) creating safe spaces at our home. And that is probably the only time I've tried to create safety. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very brave to create safety for others in community. So do you want to share what that means for you you when you hear me say that? I, when you first brought up this topic and we were you were talking about communities in danger, I kind of like was like, let me take a step back and think about this because um, I know in Memphis, like I don't know if you've been to Memphis or I'm sure you've heard something about it, um, but if you've ever visited Memphis or just Googled it, probably one of the first things you'll see is something about crime or something about violence here. We've had some pretty devastating news cycles here lately. Um, We had like a high profile kidnapping last year, a mass shooting, and even um, just recently the murder of Tyree Nichols at the hands of police authorities. And so we've had a lot of negative press here. And so when we think about safety and we think about Memphis, it's a big deal, it's a big issue for anyone here. There's a lot of hopelessness here as well. Um, Just from recent news events and just in general, um, Memphis has a high crime rate, about four times the Tennessee rate, six times the national rate. If you Google Memphis, you'll probably see top 10 most dangerous cities, top five most dangerous cities. Um, So it has this reputation. And so when it comes to Memphis, and I want to preface this by saying I've only been here, what, a sixth of my life, so a short time span. So I don't want to speak over any of the people who have lived here for a long time or their entire lives, um, I can only provide my perspective as somebody who's a transplant or who's an outsider, an immigrant. But from what I can tell, people just don't feel safe whether they're inside their homes or outside. Recently, for example, we had a terrible storm here 
and it exposed how bad our infrastructure is. Some neighborhoods hadn't had updates in 50, 60 years. Um, so they were hit hardest by power outages and things of that nature. And companies are just now starting to do something about it, like once something has already happened. And so a lot of people are just frustrated at the fact that there's just been nothing done uh, proactively. Uh, we're always having to try to kind of clean up the mess. And so when I think about Memphis and I think about this label of danger, I like to reframe my mindset. So what does it mean exactly when we say Memphis is in danger? And people like to speak passively about this city. And I like to caution against that because when we think passively about things, we are thinking hopelessly. We're thinking, oh, we're here, we're doomed. There's nothing we can do about it. But in reality, Memphis has faced a, a lot of systemic issues, a lot of historical issues um, that have plagued the city. Um, so we, we, we want to call Memphis, Memphis dangerous. I like to kind of reframe my mindset and think we've been left behind. We haven't been invested in. We've been dilapidated. And so when we put that action back into what's actually going on in Memphis. The problems that we see with safety become a little bit more tangible. We start to think, okay, this is where we were before. How can we get to a place where we can create a community that's safe and thriving for all? And safety is going to look different for a lot of people. And that's why it's, it's so hard to kind of create a collective effort here because people have 50 million different issues or people like to just think about the city as a broad, but there's a lot of things that we can do on individual and collective efforts that can help the city thrive once again and get back to what it was. Yeah. Thanks for that background on Memphis. Um, when you think about the way that you've worked in community and creating safety, has that been in Memphis or or do other experiences come to mind? Pretty much most of my work has been in Memphis. In Memphis. Um, okay. my, my background is like, I'm from what they call a preferred community. That's what my hometown is called. So basically means there's basically no crime there. And so when I got to Memphis, there was just a huge, huge, huge culture shock. Um, so I never felt compelled until I got here. So tell us about that journey. Tell us about coming to Memphis. What was happening before you realized, hey, I want to try and create something here? Yeah, so there was already a preconceived notion that I came with. Well, I didn't necessarily believe, but that was just already that I was already aware of about Memphis. So when I first was trying to move here, some of my family members were like, "Nope, you're not living by yourself. It's dangerous there." No, but I just ended up getting a job offer here, and I was like, "I want to learn more about this community. I want to see if these specific attitudes that people have towards it are actually are they." Is there something valid behind them or is it just, you know, media fever, um, whatever. And so when I got here, I started in a nonprofit space. And when you're doing direct service in the community, one of the foundations of that nonprofit and just something that was dear to me in general was getting to learn your community. And so we, myself and uh, my, pro my then project manager at that job, we kind of led a community initiative which basically forced everybody at the job to go out to the community and learn more about it, learn about the history and figure out, you know, how this community came to be. One of my favorite communities here in Memphis, um, it's called Orange Mound. Um, if you Google that, 
you're going to see bad stuff. You're going to see, oh, there was a murder here. There was some violence. There was a shooting. There was a robbery, things like that. So it has its own rep, but I was definitely interested in learning more about it. Um, and there's a rich historical context there. Um, it's the first African-American community built for and by African-Americans. Um, so it's been around for a long time. It was once thriving. And then, of course, some stuff was taken away. And it's not thriving anymore. So it's not been invested in. We can even trace a correlation of gang violence and crime back to the removal of a swimming pool in that community. And when you think about it, like if people don't have a place where they can go do activities, you know, occupy their time, what are they going to do? They like we as humans, we can't just sit around and do nothing all the time. And so you take away activities and you don't invest in the community. You don't create opportunities in that community. People are going to resort to crime. That's the only way they know how to live. That's the only way they know how to make it. And so once I started learning more about that, I got involved um, with some people who are already doing work there. One of my favorite nonprofits, um, Juice Orange Mound, is um, all about creating economic development within Orange Mound. It's an older community, um, so it's interesting to you know get some perspective on you know, how things have changed or haven't changed with that in that community and then figure out what their main priorities were. And of course, for them, crime was number one, but also just making sure that there was actually stuff for people to do, that there was a safe haven for kids, adults, um, older people alike to go and be able to, I don't know, participate in society or actually have something to do versus just, you know, resorting to uh, a life of crime. And so, learning that there was just more to the story than just what people were saying about it or just like whatever labels were being pushed in that community was really a catalyst to me continuing to do this type of advocacy work. You know, from there, I got a little bit more involved in my community. I went to another nonprofit. I think that was really it for me. Getting here, having nothing or having no type of basis for where I was going, what I was getting into was really just the fuel. That was the excitement for me, the unknown. Yeah. Part of it was part of your employment. Did that help make it easier to have some structure for how you were going to go into community? Or did they did they give you guidance about how you're supposed to go into a community was, and find out more about it? So a lot of that was on me. Uh, as I said, like uh, I was really a big uh, proponent of this whole community initiative. And so they did kind of provide some type of structure in that these specific communities we went in were communities we were directly working with. But kind of beyond that, creative liberty. Um, and so a lot of that was just my own internal curiosity getting the best of me. And how what did that look like? like were you scared? Because... <laughs> It's something to just be a stranger in a space and come in and start asking a bunch of questions. But like, what was going on in your mind? And what did oh, that look I like for you to start <laughs> learning? Terrified. Yeah, yeah, I was terrified. Um, somebody with anxiety and not the best social skills trying to talk to people. Well, it wasn't the funnest activity, but because my job had had connections um, throughout Memphis um, I felt a little bit more comfortable because like they knew who we were 
And so us coming in and just talking to them just didn't feel like they were being bombarded. Like they they understood that this was a part of our work. And then because we did substantial work in those communities, it was just easier to get them to talk to us. So because we did like we did like free health screenings and then free tax prep in those communities, they like what we're doing. They like the service that we were providing. So what's telling a person, hey, this is the history of Orange Mound or this is the history of another neighborhood in Memphis? Um, when they're providing so much direct service and so much impact into community already. Like, and people in Memphis are just really big on community pride in general. If you're not doing the work to learn about the community, they're they're going to realize that they're going to recognize that and they're not going to be as welcoming to you if you're not as invested. And so um, I think that's just the fact that we were genuine actually doing something for the community was enough for people to be open to us. So the context that you were working in, the work, the nonprofit that you had gave you some structure for getting your foot in the door and Mm -hmm. experiencing something even though it was scary in community. At some point in your life journey, did you venture off and start to do something independently? I think the extent of it was like, as soon as I found out that there were so many resources just from what I had been exposed to in the nonprofit world, I did do some side outreach. So like if somebody posted on Facebook, I need this resource. I know exactly what this resource is. I'm not going to just sit on this information. I'm going to help you out. You need some stable housing. I know exactly where you can go. You need a food bank. I know exactly where you need to go because I've worked with these people before. And so not to the extent of what I did with my actual job, but um, the good thing about the nonprofit space just in general is that everybody knows somebody in a nonprofit world. There's just so many connections you can make with so many different people. And so just holding on to those connections just so that I like in my spare time, if somebody needs that help or that guidance, like I have that information, I'm going to spread it. I'm going to give you as much as I can to whatever capacity I have. I really actually love that because I actually think you've shared this with me a little bit, but you're part of an online community where people can connect to one another. And I really think that is often where people go to find resources and find connection in our world today, um, because it feels very intimidating to do that in in real life. What's the community that you have online? Tell me about that. There's just, there's quite a few. I like to be in any type of Memphis-based groups. Surprisingly, one of my favorites are the Buy Nothing groups here. At its core, it's a group where, you know, if you want to get rid of stuff you don't want, you want to trade stuff, that's literally it. But there are so many people in there who are willing to share resources, myself included. And so some people will go in and be like, I need help with this. I don't feel safe in this environment. What can I do about it? And there are 50 comments saying, this is what you can do. I work here. Call me. Let me get you into this place or let me get your application process, whatever. And so those have been the key. There are other groups on um, Facebook that are centered towards like safety, like for crime or like we also have bad accidents here in Memphis. So road safety is also a big thing. And so those types of communities that keep people informed, and it's literally as simple as opposed to saying like, here's an accident, please check on your people, make sure they're okay. And so that's the that's the neat thing about the online space. Like it can be scary, it can be a wild place, but it's also a little bit easier to find people who share your same interests 
versus just trying to go out into the world and figure somebody out and then realize, oh, they're trash. I don't agree with anything they're saying. It's, it's, it's way easier to find that out online, I think. Um, and so, you know, especially in Memphis, a lot of people just don't feel safe inside or outside. Sitting there on your phone, finding the right people versus trying to approach people in public, it might just be a little bit easier to do that here. Um, and so I encourage anybody who's scared to just go outside, literally Google, Facebook. I have my qualms about it, but it's I feel like it's one of the better social medias for finding those types of community-based groups. Yeah. I've been a part of some of the groups that are just general to my city. Maybe it feels like next door or like a specific city group where it's a mix of a lot of different people. And I've had some groups where it was super intimidating. Like you could tell from the posts that people have that people are mean. I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like just mean, not welcoming. And I find times where I want to say something to someone who seems like a bully and I won't do it. Like I'm paralyzed and I, I have to ask myself like, why? This, I mean, you know your yeah. strengths and you know your limits, you know, yeah. like I am non-confrontational. So like that's what makes it hard for me to – and I think about that. Like I could do something to say something in this space and create safety for others or calling out somebody who's not awesome but like – I won't like I did and it took everything out of me emotionally Mm -hmm. to like there was a period where I would like post something about homeless people because there was so much nimbyism like not in my backyard attitude and people were so hateful and I when you work with the homeless population like I would say something it would just take all my energy more than as a therapist because it is something different to call out your neighbor so I know what you mean about like finding a Facebook group too that is safe by its nature, even if it's about a hobby, it gives a context to meet people and do stuff. And that that's a nice entry for somebody who also has anxiety and clearly mm-hmm. avoidance. <laughs> I mean, have you run into that where you're like, how do you, how do you shore yourself up against that? It like, is. how do you deal with it? <laughs> like, Yeah. Even in these buy nothing groups, um, and it's especially on these food posts where people are like, I have filled up this community fridge. Y'all go edit, go get the free food out of there. And there'll be people who are negative on there. And I'll be like, oh, it's going to be one person who takes all the food or it's going to be gone within 10 minutes. And it turns into a whole debate. There's been debates about people who are just asking too much, which is not a thing in my opinion. And so for one, for people who are like in that space or just like, I don't even know how to respond, acknowledging, you know, what's making you hesitant. So like for you, it might be anxiety. For me, it might be anxiety. Sometimes I just don't feel like talking to people. I'm not going to waste my energy. I can block you or I can ignore you and move on. But I will say, you know, for issues that are near and dear to me, you know, com- like blatant discrimination, blatant ignorance, especially as a, a person from a marginalized community. I know that a lot of people count on us to suffer in silence. They count on us to not say anything, to not call out ignorance, to just stay obedient, stay silent, whatever. That in itself kind of empowers me to say, no, I'm going to call it out like it is. We're all in this online forum. There are people that you are harming. I'm going to do something about it. And it's not, you don't even have to write this long, elaborate post. A lot of times when it comes to those food insecurity posts, I go in, I'm like, 
Well, if you look at the median income here in Memphis, everybody's below poverty. So, of course, in a city that has a million people and there's one singular fridge, there's going to be food that's gone within minutes. That's just something that happens. What are we going to do to make sure that these people don't feel food insecure? Can we create more fridges? Can, can we direct them to food banks just so people who don't get a chance to go to those fridges don't get left out? Can we provide them with transportation? The problem is so much bigger than what you think or you thinking that someone is taking too much or taking advantage of people within the group. And so trying to remind people of the bigger picture, how we got here, and then, you know, ch championing for issues that I feel called to talk about. Like as somebody who is not food insecure and in a place of privilege, I feel it's, you know, I feel like I have a, I have a, an obligation to speak up for those who necessarily can't speak up for themselves. And so you don't have to be that person on the front lines because not everybody wants to do that. But that little comment you made about, well, I'm going to go fill up the fridge later to make sure other people have food, little things like that make a difference. Um, and so no, no action, no reaction is too small. If you're not in the space to say anything, you know, don't feel bad. We're only human. We can't solve everybody's problems. We can't confront every internet troll, internet bully. All we can do is just call it like we see it whenever we can. Yeah. So in this time, you've kind of shared a lot about different ways that you're looking to create community and safety um, where you live. When you think back on life and the way that you want to live in community, is there kind of a favorite way that you like to do that like has there been like your go-to now you want to speak to the differences and the strengths and the weaknesses of different approaches like you've talked to people in person you've gone and you've immersed yourself in a, a smaller community trying to identify what resources they need and help that community versus like the internet kind of lets you stay back and kind of provide resources is there a preferred way? Like if you could go back and say, you know what? I love this so much and I'm going to dedicate <laughs> a lot of my time in doing this. Like what, what, where would you invest? Like where do you recommend somebody go and invest their time if they don't have a lot of time to give? I'd say my preferred way was definitely direct service. So going out as a community and actually talking to people. But I understand, especially here in Memphis, where people are working 50 million jobs, 12 hour shifts, things like that. That's not feasible for everyone. Yeah. And so finding your footing, finding your place where you fit in or where you can make an impact, no matter how small is important. So one of the advocacy um, initiative I talked about earlier, this was a, a initiative we did at one of my old jobs. It was completely hundred percent virtual. It accommodated people's work schedules. So it was like an evening class. And it lasted, I think, for like 20 weeks with that spaced out curriculum, accommodating parents where they needed to, to be and just allowing them to the space to be able to convene with a community of you know, like minded individuals or people who also want to be advocates. Aligning yourself with people who want to be advocates is important because you find out about opportunities you may have never even known about. You know, a lot of people, they talk about how I just don't necessarily have the capacity to do something. And then they learn about, oh, there's a volunteer event happening on your day off. Come help us out. Or there's a specific group 
online on Instagram, on Facebook that's doing the specific work? Would you like to contribute a donation to make sure that work continues? There's a plethora of ways to get involved that don't involve you actually going out into the field and doing things. And so it's 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 literally all about trying to educate yourself whenever you can. So whether that's just Googling volunteer organizations, nonprofits, et cetera, et cetera, donating to your favorite nonprofit, learning a little bit more about work that's already being done and seeing where you can fill in the gaps. Yeah. So you're not repeating work. You just said you really loved meeting people face to face and getting into a community. I I think that's probably truest that you get to really know people when you see them in person. And we've lost a lot of that Mm -hmm. with digital technology and whatnot. I also really love that when you've described, you know, thinking about this topic and saying like creating safety, you could think about a lot of different things. You can think about creating a park or a space where people feel safe or you can think about safety education or something like that. But I love that you've gone broad and and also spoke about how for you and your vision of this work was just a stance of learning about what people need, right? I think oftentimes when you think of creating safety, you think I'm going to come in and do something for somebody. And that's not a way to create safety. Like, People have an inherent sense of what they need. And sometimes meeting those needs creates an environment where people feel connected. And that's the foundation for safety, right? And resources mm-hmm. and things in their lives. Mm-hmm. If Is there any final words that you want to share from what stood out to you today as you reflect on your time and space? Like what what's a key advice you might give to somebody starting out? Well, two things. The first is, in order to get involved in this type of work, you need to figure out what safety means to you, like you were describing. It's literally different from everyone. It can literally be as simple as making sure a sidewalk is paved, make sure there's a crosswalk, or as big as, I want to combat gun violence. What does it mean for you? What stands out to you? What are you most passionate about? And then once you figure that out, it's way easier to figure out what you're going to do about it. And know that stuff like, you know, paving a sidewalk all the way up to gun violence, those types of problems do not get solved overnight. You need connections, you need resources, you need platforms, you need campaigns. It can be discouraging to think about all of that. But persistence, being annoying to your lawmakers, your policymakers, getting a united community voice, it all takes effort. And I take pride in being annoying. So like, I'm going to shout from the rooftops. I don't like this issue. Y'all don't care about poor people. Y'all don't care about crumbling infrastructure. Y'all don't care about crime or reforming the justice system. So y'all need to do something about it. It might feel like screaming to the void, but I I assure you somebody's going to hear you. It might not be when you expect it or when you want it to happen, but it, it can happen with persistent work. And oh, a third thing. There's (laughs) There's <laughs> last thing. There's there's a lot of great work already be done, being done throughout the U.S. and especially in Memphis. And so aligning yourself with organizations that already exist can take immense pressure off of your shoulders to try to solve the problem on your own. Yeah, definitely. And that's a really big one too. I mean, doing things, especially these hard things with others, is such a key component to help shore yourself up against being burnt out or being too scared and 
certainly would help me run away less <laughs> in those <laughs> difficult, difficult spaces. So thank you, Kendra, for joining us today and sharing about how you work in community. And we're going to sign off by telling everybody to keep on fighting in the open. Thanks. Bye.